The Apostle James delivered a startling warning to God's church during a time of mass rebellion. His book is one of the three in the Bible with no conclusion, which means his story is still being told today. Discover the sad story of another church rebellion in this end time and what James tells you to do about it. Next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. In the New Testament of James, chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, This if we are we are in the last days. And that's what James thought and what he was writing. And if you go on down to verse 8, he says that the coming of the Lord is near, very near. So James thought he was living in the last days, just before 70 AD, and uh, that's not the case. But the days he was writing about primarily is for our time today. His was only a type of what God is giving us today. If you go on to verse 9, it it talks about uh, the judge stands at the door, and that judge is Jesus Christ. He's standing at the door, waiting to rush in in this time of horrible events. If you go on to verse 9, it talks about the church of God is in a great apostasy or falling away from God. A horrible time pictured by James. And if you look at chapter 5 in four instances, it uses the word behold, which means to really perceive, and it could read like look, exclamation point, see, exclamation point, lo, exclamation point. God is trying to get our attention because this this is important to us, all of us, to understand it. If you look at uh, the first one is in verse 4, Behold, it's talking about fraud in God's house. If you look at the second one in verse 7, it also says, Behold, and it's talking about some difficult times. And then in verse 9, that's where it says, The judge stands before the door. The judge is standing right before the door, ready to act in this end time to save humanity. This is Jesus Christ, and He's prepared to rush in for you. He cuts those days short because of the very elect in His church. And if you look at Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22, it says there in the Moffat translation that there would be no flesh saved alive if Jesus Christ wasn't standing at the door ready to rush in and make sure that all humanity was not destroyed. That's the times we're living in today, and you hear people talking about nuclear war and a lot of nuclear bombs that other nations are trying to get and are getting. So here, at this time, Jesus Christ is at the door. You can read uh, Matthew 24 and verse 33, and it says essentially the same thing, that it's at the door. The coming of Jesus Christ is at the door. Look, see, lo, yet we need to perceive this. It's so very, very important 
Last week I talked to you about the third John epistle and how it did not have a conclusion or an Amen. And I want to talk to you about another book where there is no conclusion. There's no Amen, which signifies the end of the book. It just isn't there, and why not? Why is that so important for God not to conclude this book of James? It's critical for us to understand that because it has a lot to do with God's revelation. I want you to see and just think about what Jesus Christ had on His mind and has on His mind today and when it comes to James. This is something that God's thinking about most of all in the book of James. And let's take a look at that. And we all need to understand it. Verse 19 and 20 of James 5. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide, or cover would be a better translation, to cover a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. This is really about telling you about a great falling away of God's people, a great falling away. And the multitude of sins, I want to read to you what Lang says about that. God is talking about His own family here, and His mind is on this critical error the church is making. Lang's commentary says, the multitude refers to the fullness of an entire mass. It's a multitude referring to fullness of an entire mass, or the entirety taken as one unit. Virtually God's whole church has fallen away. That's what He's talking about. And He's saying, okay, I love you, and I've shown that love for you. Now I want you to do something for me. I want you to declare this message. It, because it is so urgent, and we'll see as we go along here, 50% of God's people that fell away are going to lose their eternal lives, and the other 50% is going to be going through the Great Tribulation, the worst time of suffering ever on this earth, if they don't repent. We are living in those times today, and God wants us to see the good news that's available to all of us and how He would stop all this if we would just heed what He says. Where is that apostasy? How much do you understand about it? How much do we understand what God says about it? Because it's about people losing their salvation. Fifty percent of those ninety-five percent of the church that fell away are going to lose their eternal lives. People that uh, are known, and certainly known by God's very elect today, and they're sad about what is happening here. This is, these are the last thoughts on God's mind at the end of the book of James. This God is concerned about His church and His people. So here you have 95% of them that they're falling away, and yet if you, uh, that, that leaves 5% 
of the people of God that are left to get the message of God out to this world. God, it says in uh, 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 that uh, He's not willing that any should perish, whether any, all the people who've ever lived. He says, I'm not willing that any one of them perish. That's the kind of love that God has for His people. It's a wonderful, wonderful love that we need in our own lives. James wants the people in his time to help bring those people back that were falling away, just a type of this end time, but it's even worse in this end time. And God says, now, I, I, I want you to understand this, that what James is talking about is only a type. This is for the end time right now. The last days, James 5 and verse 3, and there are a couple of three other verses that tell you essentially that same thing. So the delivery of this message is critical to God. He wants His people, the last thought of that book, He wants them to understand that 5% to, that they need to get this message out there to bring those people back. This is, the, this is talking about almost the entire church of God, and it's happening right now, and it's almost past what, is, what has already occurred. A lot of things are going on. There's no amen. There's no uh, conclusion. What is the little flock going to do? What are we going to do? What are the people, the very elect, going to do if we're in that category? What, what are we going to do? Are we going to have the love that God has and He wants, and He's building that love in all of us if we allow it? And He wants us to reach out and show that we have that love by doing everything we can to bring those people back to God. And I think we bring, uh, help to bring back in a very powerful way, 50% of them, because how else would they even know how to repent if they didn't get God's message out there before them, where, of course, at this time they are lukewarm and they don't understand very much at all. That's what your Bible says. See, and God loves us. He wants us to know how much He loves us. This is His own family, and He's not willing that any one of them perish. Even in a physical family, you could understand that. No loving parent is going to wish that they, could, uh, that they would lose any one of their children. Not at all. But James talks about, in James 2, that if you, you have faith with works, your faith comes alive. If you're doing something, if you're getting God's message out, if you're doing His work, then your faith is a living faith, and the, it brings God alive, it brings Satan alive, it brings the Bible alive. And that is what we all need very, very much. Let's just look at Zechariah 3 and verse 8. The same prophecy is in, in the Old Testament here. Zechariah 3 and verse 8, it says, Here now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your fellows that sit before you, for they are all men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch. When all these uh, 
These people are turning away. Joshua and his fellows, not, not the fellows of Jesus Christ, but his fellows. They're following him. They're following a man. And we, we're cursed if we follow a man. And that includes any man. They could be your pastors rather than your fellows. And they belong to Joshua. That's the problem. But uh, Joshua's fellows, if you look at the uh, Hebrew, they are men that are a sign. These men that are falling away, these people that are falling away are a sign that the judge is at the door. The branch is about to come. That's Jesus Christ. Christ's return is very near. The Sonsino Commentary says, For they are men that are a sign. That's exactly what that means. See, and we need to be deeply moved by that. Let's go back and get a little bit of the beginning of this history. James 1 and verse 1 has this to say, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, it says, to them. And the twelve tribes, though, are, if you go through the context, you can see he's talking about his own church. He's, not, he's talking about the, the spiritual Israel that is scattered all over the place because of what happens in this end time to God's own church, spiritual church. And God is very, well, concerned about that in a very powerful way. After all, this is his family that he has, is creating. Lang's commentary says James 1 and 1 is indicative of a reconstruction of the church. See, the, the commentary, some of them see that. This is spiritual Israel God is talking about, not physical Israel, at least primarily. This commentator can see that there is something wrong here, something that needs to be reconstructed. James was a part of that reconstruction, and so are God and the very elect today. That's a very important reconstruction. What happened to James? Well, he was martyred in 62 A.D. This is the brother of Jesus Christ, and the tradition has it that he was just thrown off the temple and killed because he delivered this message. And that's a sad, sad story about that family. Now, James didn't even become converted until after his brother had been crucified, and I'm sure he was not proud of that. And he went, but once he gave himself to God, he was a powerful worker for God. But here, two brothers of a family were martyred, and that's a, that's a critical part of the history here. So many of God's people, you see, were falling away. That You can read Galatians 1 and verse 6, and it'll tell you that, that they were falling away in just a few years after they received that truth. A little over 20 years, as I recall. But what, what are we going to be able to do about this? You see, from uh, the time of James in that first century era, 
They delivered the message of God around the known world at that time, and it was not delivered again until this very end time. And their type of Elijah in this end time, some man got the message around the world in this end time. Matthew 24 and verse 14. Matthew 17, verses 10 and 11. He, he, he preached the gospel around the world, and then he restored all things. Now, we have to know who that was if we're going to understand all things. Who was that? He's gone. Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6, about him uniting the family, and especially the family in God's church. It is a family that we're concerned about. And then Malachi 3 and verse 1 and 2, he he is said to be a messenger for God. He's a messenger that prepared the way for Jesus Christ in this end time. And now he's standing at the door ready to act. It's that close. That's the good news in this world, I'll tell you. Notice James 4 and verse 13. I'll just uh, paraphrase some of this. James is saying here in uh, verses 13 and 14, He's saying, well, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It's just like a vapor. It's, it's like a mist in, in the fog or a steam from a pot. It's just a vapor, and then it's gone. It, life just passes so quickly, and we need to understand that and really urgently work to do God's work. And then we know we're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. <laughs> That's a wonderful, wonderful uh, vision to have in our lives. And so we need to act now. That's pretty obvious. But we, if we really know a lot of this, we need to act on it and act on it quickly. If you go on down to uh, James 5 and verse 5, it says that uh, it's about the day of slaughter. It's about a terrible time on this earth that God is warning us about so that we can avoid it if we will. But where are the indications that that's going to happen? It should, though. Verse 6 of James 5, it says, You have condemned and killed the just one. It should read, the just one. And he does not resist you. That killed is could be spiritual and physical, really, but uh, we certainly know here the focus on this is uh, the spiritual. But uh, he's, God is talking about that end-time type of Elijah that I just mentioned to you. The Revised Standard Version translates this verse, You have condemned, you have killed the righteous man, singular. He, that righteous man, does not resist you. And the Anchor Bible says, You have murdered the righteous one. So there's some pretty strong statements there. But this man did a lot of work for God, and we must know that and understand that if we're ever going to be close to God and know, know what God is doing. If we know God, we're going to know these major events like that. This is crucial to our spiritual lives. How many people really understand what James is talking about? 
this gospel was preached around the world again just recently. Matthew 24 and verse 14. And it hadn't been preached to the world since the first era of God's church in that first century. But look, we need to see this. We need to understand this. We need to understand where it is. This is, this is the brother of Jesus Christ. And he was certainly a powerful converted man once he was converted. James 5 and verse 7, it talks about receiving the early and the latter rain. Well, that early rain was the type of Elijah, but he died. He's gone. And now there's another era that has to deliver this message to this world. That's the latter rain, spiritually, in this end time. Two eras of God's churches right here in this end time. So, uh, God's very elect today has that job. Notice what it says in verse 7 of James 5. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord Jesus. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it, until he receives the early and the latter rain." That's revelation from God that is poured out on God's leaders to have in this end time. And there are going to be some, some difficult times. Notice verse 10, "...Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken of the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience." This is really sometimes some tough times to stand up and represent God and tell people about the Judge, Jesus Christ, is standing at the door. It's that close to the Second Coming of Jesus Christ. Now, what could be more exciting than that? What could be more thrilling to us than that? There's so much that we need to understand here. Let me read to you James 5 and verse 20 again. I want to just emphasize a certain part of this, as I did before because it's so important, and this is where God's mind is when it comes to the book of James. This is what, where God's thinking is. This is his, his family, and He loves them, and Jesus Christ died for them, and His blood covered these many sins. This is just about as basic as you could get in the Bible. James 5 and verse 20, though, here's what it says, "'Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall cover a multitude of sins,' it should read, "'a multitude of sins,' almost the entire church of God in this end time." That's the greatest crisis in this end time. You can see why God's mind is on it. Thousands of His own family are about to lose their eternal lives, and thousands more are about to suffer with the world if they don't wake up, and if the world doesn't wake up. Is that happening? 
Well, I think you know it isn't, uh, but this is covering a multitude of sins. The very blood of Jesus Christ is, has done that. So God is saying, look, you know that I love you. Now, I want you to love me back, and I want you to get this message out to the world. It's the most thrilling and wonderful message you could ever hear. Jesus Christ is standing at the door, and He is judging. He's going to judge His people, and that is, is quite bad here, in a way. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. The Apostle James delivered a startling warning to God's church during a time of mass rebellion. His book is one of the three in the Bible with no conclusion, which means his story is still being told today. Discover the sad story of another church rebellion in this end time and what James tells you to do about it. The Apostle James wrote his biblical message at a time of turmoil inside God's one true church. He thought Jesus Christ was about to return, so he wrote with extreme urgency. His warning applies directly to you. Request Gerald Flurry's free booklet, The Epistle of James, to learn how the tragic church history of the first century has repeated itself in this end time. Through the ages, God's one true church has been rocked by persecution, often at the hands of traitors from within. God's spiritual family today is scattered all over the place, yet Christ stands ready to rescue any rebels that repent. Study the Epistle of James to uncover the dangers of disloyal ministers. Understand God's solution to the church crisis. See the Father of Lights behind the sobering yet encouraging message of James. Also request our free pictorial, He Was Right. The end time church rebellion occurred after the death of one prophetically significant man. Study He Was Right for a stunning survey of five decades of accurate forecasting by Herbert W. Armstrong. Mr. Armstrong was right. Write about the decline of America and Britain. Write about the German war machine. Write about the rising superpower alliance between Russia and China. And write about so much more. Herbert W. Armstrong taught God's warning message of hope around the world as a witness to all nations. He was right. You will also receive a free copy of our booklet, A Pivotal Sign of the End Time. Could it be possible that a major sign of Jesus Christ's second coming has already been fulfilled? What if God sent a man to prepare the way for our Messiah to return? And what if that man has already come and gone? You may also request a free subscription to our news magazine, The Philadelphia Trumpet. Receive in-depth analysis of world news, current events, the economy, social issues, family matters, the Bible, and the future, all through the lens of Bible prophecy. Learn the only perspective that matters, God's perspective. Read tomorrow's news today. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request the Epistle of James, He Was Right, A Pivotal Sign of the End Time, and a Trumpet Subscription. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. 
All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request the Epistle of James, He Was Right, A Pivotal Sign of the End Time, and A Trumpet Subscription. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. The preceding program was a paid presentation of The Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.